1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: A trial should happen. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. Voters should know before Election Day... If the Republican nominee, Donald John Trump, the former president of the United States. Right now, the favorite to once again be the president of the United States. We should find out if he's found guilty or not guilty. On at minimum. The election interference trial. But you know what? If you listen to smart people right now, it's not going to happen, and that is wrong. The Supreme Court first was asked by Jack Smith in December, render ruling on what seemingly is an absurd claim by Donald Trump looking for immunity. No matter what he does, he's immune. It's, It's nonsense. And, nope, they said go through the process. Then a resounding loss for Trump on immunity when most people just expected because of that, as well received as it was that, okay, the Supreme court would take maybe a week and say, okay, we're not, we're not dealing with this one. Okay. And then would also say in, in attempting to be fair, Oh, by the way, he's going to be on the ballot. And I think he should be on the ballot. If he's the Republican nominee, he should be on the ballot. But the Supreme Court announces about an hour, hour after we were off the air yesterday. Oh, we're going to take up the case. Well, you know, it's an election year. They're going to take up the case right away. No, we're going to get to it uh, in April. April 26th, I believe, is the day. And then you'll get a ruling late June, early July. And if it goes as almost everybody expects, they're going to say, no, the no former president is immune from everything, then when does a trial happen? Trial happens maybe August, September, and it's at that point a judge might say, come on, he's in the middle of an election situation, this can't happen. And then if he wins, it goes away. I, I think this is an absolute mistake. Justin Crow has joined us a number of times before. He's excellent on the Supreme Court. He's at Williams College. This is an area of, his area of expertise. Constitutional law and theory and the Supreme Court in particular, and the professor is with us like all guests on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker hotline. Why do you think the Supreme Court decided to take this case and why did they decide to wait as long as they're waiting until uh, April 25th?
3: Well, it's a good question, and I'm not sure we have any great answers. And so most of what we're doing here is is reading tea leaves. I think yep. there were a lot of people who thought over the last uh, two weeks, say, as the court had not yet issued a, issued a determination, that what it might be is that the court was denying to hear the case, and the delay was that uh, one or more justices were writing a dissent, and that could take some time. Obviously, we found out yesterday that that wasn't what was going on. So... Why the court took the case, um, you know, I mean, I guess there are a couple reasons. One is, and, and this was originally Jack Smith's position when he first asked the court to, to hear this before the D.C. Circuit heard it, was that this is an issue of sufficient importance that the court is really the one who should have the final word on it. And the court wasn't <laughs> willing to let the D.C. Circuit have the final word on it, even if a number of the justices uh, ultimately are going to rule against Trump. That's one possibility. Uh Obviously, and we have no evidence to support this, but there are some who have speculated. You know, this is part of an attempt by some of the justices to engage in in a kind of foot dragging and to prevent the case from being uh, gone to trial before the before the election. We have no we have no proof of that sort of thing, but that doesn't stop people in the absence of proof from speculating. Obviously, the reality is that you only need four votes on the court in order to get a case heard, and so the four justices who voted to hear this case may well have had different reasons for doing it. Uh, uh, one may have thought that the DC Circuit was wrongly de- DC Circuit opinion was wrongly decided. Uh, two may have thought that uh, we ultimately want the Supreme Court to decide this rather than the DC Circuit. A fourth may have thought, who knows? So it's really difficult to kind of game out. But there are any number of possibilities um, as to the the timing. Why why we're looking at April 22nd? Uh, Jack Smith had urged the court to schedule this very quickly. Had, had urged, I think, for a March hearing. The Trump team had urged for it to be. heard on the on the usual schedule, which would have meant not hearing it till the fall. Um, So the court kind of split the difference in a way. It is quicker than it usually acts, but it is certainly not as quick as Jack Smith would have wanted it to act. And those who think that it should go to trial before the election would have wanted it to act.
2: Justin, do you believe that in this case and other cases When they decide to bring a case to the Supreme Court, that they should let the public know, as they do when they offer their final ruling, but that they should let us know why they have decided on the merits of the law that they should hear the arguments on this case?
3: It's a tricky one. On the one hand, there is an argument for some sort of accountability, right, for letting people understand why the justices are doing what they're doing. because. The Supreme Court is is perhaps the most impenetrable political body in America, the least transparent political body in America. Um, members of Congress offer justifications when they vote for things, usually. The, those could be true or they could not be. Um, when you run for office, you um, you know take a stance on something, you have campaign mailers, you uh, are on a debate stage. When the president issues a veto message or delivers the State of the Union or something like that, there are words to go along with it. The court, and did so here, which Is not uncommon, um, does not give any indication. So there's an argument for more transparency as a means of accountability here. The tricky thing with that is that we want to believe, at least, that the court has not made up its mind yet. Maybe some justices have, maybe some justices haven't. I do not know. But if the court says, well, we're taking this case because we think that DC circuit was wrongly decided, or we're taking this case because we think this should be heard by the Supreme Court, there's a possibility that they tip their hand as to what has actually what they actually think the ruling is going to be. And so they're very careful in these instances to specify that this, this has no bearing on the actual substance of the case. Why? Because um, briefs still need to be filed and oral arguments still need to be conducted, and the conference that the justices will have be after oral arguments still needs to take place. And so all of the stages of the process still remain to come, still uh, remain to unfold. And so I think there would be some who would be a little worried about the idea that more transparency here might actually compromise the sense of impartiality. But obviously, in a case like this, in a a case with incredible public salience and incredible public interest uh, in advance of the election, most people are left saying, but why? Why did they do this? Why did they do this now? What were they thinking about
2: in this? Uh, Justin Crow is with us, uh, Professor Williams College. His area of expertise is the Supreme Court. He's joined us multiple times before. He's excellent. I know that the Supreme Court, they do not want to be involved in helping swing an election either way. Okay. Correct. Philosophically, okay. It's also given that some would prefer Trump, some would prefer Biden, maybe we're right in our speculation, maybe we're wrong. So I get the idea that, you know, they're like, we don't want to be viewed as being involved. In this case, Justin, they have no choice. Sometimes in life, we're pulled into something when we didn't want to be, And oh by the way, they're justices. And so to me, by delaying, they are clearly giving benefit to what Donald Trump has tried in the delay tactics. That's why, to me, it made so much more sense to either affirm or, if you're going to have this ruling, expedite it. This isn't just a typical case. And I get that it's, it's quicker than normal. It's not quick enough, I, I just don't think.
3: Yeah, I thought the – I mean, you're right that they do not want to be involved. I think especially someone like Chief Justice Roberts, who in everything he says and everything he, he he does, especially in the last few years, um, suggests that he, he dislikes the – sense that people have that the court is merely a partisan body and a polarized body and dislikes the sense that the court is going to be responsible for solving the, solving or creating the ills of America. And so very much, I think he would like an outcome that did not involve the court having to make these judgments. He would very much like a docket that did not include multiple cases where Donald Trump is one of the litigants. But that is where we are, and so I thought that the the most likely scenario, the scenario that I assumed they would pursue, would be the quick hearing on the Colorado ballot case, which they did, and they will overturn the Colorado Supreme Court mm-hmm. on that, yes. and affirming the D.C. Circuit, and that the outcome there would be effectively to remove the court from either of these, to say – We're going to let the people decide. We're going to let the people decide who they want to vote for based on who's on the ballot. And we're going to let the people in the form of a jury, which represents the people, decide whether he has committed a crime or not. But we Supreme Court justices who are unelected and unaccountable to the people are not going to uh, affirm the idea that we can simply remove people from the ballot, and we are not going to stand in the way of the mechanisms of the criminal justice process. So I suspect we're still going to get one piece of that, which is overturning the Colorado Supreme Court. But obviously, we don't, we don't know what we're going to get on the other. And they didn't defer the D.C. Circuit. They went through, and, and it does drag the case out um, until you know, probably late summer, early fall, if it is even able to go forward. The the one possibility that I'll just throw out there and there's no there's no reason to know whether this will happen or not. The court has moved quicker on occasion. Uh, so when when U.S. v. Nixon is heard in the 1970s, the court issues a ruling in, le- in fewer than three weeks. Um, Bush v. Gore, the court issues a ruling you know within a series of days. Um, yeah. So. It That's is it. not impossible that the court could issue a ruling more quickly. I'm not saying there's any reason to believe that it would be so. U.S. v. Nixon um, is a much more uh, collective body where there's, um, you know, the justices are generally in agreement there. That makes it easier because you don't have to wait for people to write concurrences and dissents. But Bush v. Gore is not. That's an incredibly fractured opinion, mm-hmm. and it yeah. still comes out quickly. So I don't. I don't want to. If if your goal is to get the trial going as quickly as possible in, in D.C., uh, I don't want to get anyone's hopes up, but there is a possibility that the court could decide to do that. Could it be a ruling on April 25th or April 27th, which would then allow for a trial to begin sometime in, in mid-summer, um, which would present the possibility of it being done before the election, as opposed to a trial that starts in early to mid-September, which is probably not going to be wrapped up by the election.
2: Always excellent. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Have a good afternoon. Williams College, Justin Crow. uh, He nailed it at the end on Bush v. Gore. Think about how divided we were there. And when it finally went to the Supreme Court, and some think it was the greatest decision ever, some think it was worse, they made the decision in days. Donald Trump is facing these charges. We should have this case before an election. If he's found not guilty, he's found not guilty. Okay? Gets a defense. Gets to point out what he did and didn't do with the election interference matter. He'll have his representatives and Jack Smith will have his. Let's find out. But the Supreme Court is dragging their feet for no reason. They're in this. And it is a mistake. Of course, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. I'm not going to lie about that. I'm not going to lie. I'm completely impartial. I don't think Donald Trump should be anywhere near the White House. I'm also not voting for Joe Biden. I don't think he's cognitively up to the job. But when you have charges this serious against one of the two men who right now will be the president of the United States. And instead of actually having a trial, we're just going to have him become president, which he would be if the election was today. And honestly, I don't even think it'd be that close. And then he's just going to dismiss this. That's what we're going to do. If that, happened in, if that happened in another country, we'd laugh at it. And by the way, I get that some people think that if this was happening now in another country, we'd be laughing. You know that the, the president, the, the former president's opponent, uh, who he's, who he's you know, faced before, facing again, that his justice system has filed these charges. So I get that side of the argument. But a trial Should happen, period, end of statement, or a ruling should happen. Do you agree with me? And is your basis for agreeing or disagreeing with me simply about I want Biden, I want Trump? Love phone calls and texts on this topic. Mr. Fees, Jason DeRush is 15 minutes away. We're going to have seven, eight, nine more minutes on this topic when we come back. Six, five, one. 461-9226. 461
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Among our uh, first texts on the topic, Donald Trump, he's winning. The strategy that he, his lawyers have come up with, enormous victory. If he becomes president of the United States, we're going to look back at February 28th as one of the biggest days of his election victory. The immunity claim, which is absurd. (laughs) If any president offered this claim, it's utter nonsense. And now we're going to look at this in months as opposed to, no, let's move on. Among the first texts, Dave Aragon, the SC, the Supreme Court, is in the Donald's jock trap. I think they met strap, you know. Let's go with that. God knows I text too quickly. First of all, does anybody wear a, a jock strap anymore? Unless you've got the, the cup attached, I don't know. But even the cup, that goes in like, you know, Compression shorts, shorts. Now, right? Yeah. yeah. Are you wearing one right now? I am not. Would you consider wearing one Monday? No. Okay. The perception that Mitch McConnell holding up Merrick Garland and then got Donald getting one in a conventional way and then again at the end of his term. And for those folks who are angry at that, they're going to look at this, Dave, and say this is Trump's court, and it all worked out the way he wanted. They will, and it certainly I – mean, <laughs> Justin spoke about, I think he mentioned Chief Justice Roberts not liking the idea that the public views the Supreme Court as being a political body right now, as being a partisan body. Uh, that's not going to help things. No, no. Not at all. Another text. The Dems are attempting to eliminate their competition very similar to Putin. (laughs) Among the dumber things I'm going to read for the entire year. You know what Vladimir Putin does with his opponents? He kills them. He tortures them. They could be citizens who've spoken out against him. They could be heroic leaders like Navalny. They could be media who he imprisons, like the Wall Street Journal, journalists. It's so beneath decency, common sense, and intellect to compare the Republicans or the Democrats to Vladimir Putin Knock it off, the Republicans aren't close to Vladimir Putin, and neither are the Democrats. Come on, this' just ridiculous in the McConnell Trump court. You get what you vote for if you don't want it to happen, get out and vote. This is what minority rule gets you when enough people don't vote i don't uh, I agree with you. I learned a long time ago. Uh, A third party is wasted. Well, if you're agreeing with me, then you don't realize we aren't in agreement. I think the person meant I don't agree with you. I'm not going to keep voting for these two parties and some of the folks who they keep sending up for Congress for the Senate or House in particular, and the presidency. I completely get the argument, do you want to make this line on Donald Trump? I, I didn't do that in 2020, and I reluctantly voted for Joe Biden. Not that I ever give a second's thought of voting for Donald Trump, but I wasn't a big fan of Joe Biden. I would take Joe Biden infinity out of infinity times over Donald Trump. Okay, because the people he'll surround himself with versus the clown car show that Donald Trump—it'll just be sycophants. How can we kiss your ass today? Okay, what can we do for the revenge tour? But no, we should expect better than oh, better than the worst option. You know else uh, the Dems are are mad at right now, Dave Merrick Garland, because they feel like that Merrick could have done this a year before, a year and a half before, and then we wouldn't be facing this deadline. Well, good. Then nobody's happy with Merrick Garland. No. (laughs) The only wasted vote is voting for someone you don't want. Voting for the lesser two evils is still voting for evil. I don't view voting for Joe Biden as evil compared to Donald Trump. I'm just not voting for a man who, to me, and I think the evidence is overwhelming cognitively, he's not up for the job. But on this case, just finishing before we chat with Jason, on this case, a trial should happen. And if Donald Trump wins, then he wins. If he loses, he's found guilty. And he's a felon. But the idea that the delay tactics is 100% working for, uh, on this matter, and then he wins and he can dismiss this, that's justice? Give me a break. Jason is next on CCM. Yep. Is it a coincidence that the uh-huh. last time I went shopping for the first time in I think a year I bought Oreos?
5: Mm-hmm. I am a tremendous influencer.
2: Yes you are. Yeah. Yes. You're welcome. I haven't I haven't tongued them yet though. Man. I've just, you know, two bites, mm-hmm. boom. Yeah. I have not You're uh, you're an in. absolute beast. You just you
5: take uh, that Oreo devoured. and just
2: <laughs> Yeah. Wow. You're a tonguer. I am. I'm a devourer. Yeah. That's what I am. Yeah. I have one other lighthearted topic for you, and I want to get mm-hmm. to a couple of serious ones. Uh, the Trib, uh, I forget how they phrased it today. It was like unknown restaurant gems, something like oh, this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the places they listed is at 50th in France <laughs> in Edina. Okay. Can something be an unknown? Sort gem? of a
5: little a hole in the wall, <laughs> yeah. and a, Well, wh- why does a an unknown gem like what it has to be in a gas station? Is that sort of your uh, opinion? No,
2: I don't think it has to be. It, well, I think it, it says I hidden. Think if you're eliminating. I see. It's the phrasing.
5: Gem. It says four hidden restaurant gems. That actually yeah. makes it worse. Four hidden, hidden. restaurants, because it's not hidden at all. It's it's at
2: 50th and France. It's like right in
5: the one of the more populous areas. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Homelessness. And what's happened with the encampment today, this is an encampment that's moved multiple times. And I've had Jacob Fry on and talked about it. You also have. So now we have this fire today where people are fleeing. Here's a quote for someone who lives right next to the encampment. Everyone was screaming and running around. That's why I evacuated. She said she heard several explosions before running down the sidewalk, and uh, residents of the encampment were trying to grab their things and get out, but the fire was spreading super fast. What are we doing? with? Um, we still have just an enormous homelessness issue. The encampments issue, Jason, for the folks who believe in this, when mayors, whether it's Fry or Carter or across the country, when they try to step in, people get incredibly defensive about we should be able to do this. They don't trust where they're going. And then we have frightening situations like this. And a lot of times we have situations where you have empathy and compassion for these folks because um, there's all sorts of reasons why they're there, including mental health challenges, and there's all sorts of people, Jason, who live in the area, and and they're decent people, and they're like, is this really what I want right next to my house? And that doesn't make him an evil person for that thought crossing their mind.
5: No one wants this next to their house. It's it's an abject failure that we've had this much time of these homeless encampments, and we just can't have it. I'm sorry. Like, it's no way to run a city. It's no way to build trust and love for your neighbors. And, yes, people have challenges. Homelessness is a challenge. It's a tough one, right? It really is. Um, I, personally, I think there's been too much kick the can where no one wants to take the responsibility. So the city of well, Minneapolis it's will say it's, kicked it's, the can. it's a county they, they issue. They move them,
2: and they move a block away, and we're well, celebrating That's It's
5: that. why you can't, you can't just shut them down, right, because they just move yeah. somewhere else. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. Uh, you know, yes, here's the problem that I have. I feel like we have these two discussions always going on. Where you have the long-term conversation and then the short-term conversation. Mm -hmm. The short-term conversation is we cannot have people living in encampments on the street. We cannot have people living in our parks. We can't. It's unsafe for them. It's unsafe for neighborhoods. It makes your city look like a dump. Like, it's not okay. Normal people know it's not okay. Then there's the long-term problem. Well, we don't have affordable housing. We don't have enough shelter mm-hmm. space. We don't have this. We. Some people insist on only talking long-term. Other people insist on only talking short-term. <laughs> and so you're having these parallel conversations, and then nothing gets done. Yeah, yeah. I- I'm intrigued by what they did in Denver, which is the city said, enough, we got to take care of this. And they uh, bought like a... The city bought a hotel and I get the Minneapolis perspective where they're like, look, the homeless people who are living in these encampments aren't just Minneapolis people. They're from all over the region. So everyone should have to pay for a solution. And and I get that. But it's a city. Way, is one problem. hotel
2: enough. I mean,
5: for these encampments, what do we have? I guess I don't know how many yeah. people are in this particular encampment. But, you know, as right. the weather warms up, you're going to see more. It's all going to come back, right? You'll see and, more. And for of me,
2: that. it's not just for the encampment. It's the overall homeless population, which does surge dramatically during the summer. Yeah. Right? Some have the ability to to get out of here for warmer weather. Others are saying, you think I have the ability to get out of here? Right. I'm homeless. And right. on, the, on the safety point, which... Many mayors talk about this, including Jacob Fry, and a lot of the homeless encampment supporters just detest Fry. Yes. He'll come in, he'll come on the show, and he'll just talk about safety. He'll talk about— It's not safe. Uh, it's not safe for the people. No way is there. it that there is there is a level of criminal activity with some, not all, to just say everyone, that's wrong, but uh, drug challenges. And, by the way, kids who are in there. And how protected? And but do we have a place to house these individuals, to get these individuals a position where they can at least start to land on their feet and go get a job, or I just well, feel they like don't want to, a, a lot cycle. of them
5: don't want to go. Also, so like no. much of like, our homeless, if you look at, and this is a larger issue where things that I think are the role of the government, of society, have been offloaded to nonprofits. So a lot of our homeless shelters are run by religious organizations that have rules, right? Or maybe you have chapel, or maybe it's a shelter for families, not for single people. Or maybe you're not allowed to do drugs when you're in the shelter. Mm-hmm. And so people say, like, well, I, I don't want to follow those rules. <laughs> Well, so, so what do you do about that? Like that's sort of, well, that's some of the reality as well. To a certain level,
2: we all have to follow certain rules of the law or else we're punished. And I'm understanding that some of well, these you're not gonna lock are those are up. mental, mental health them. challenges yeah. and drug issues. But um, there is frustration if you live in that area and you're saying, I'm following the laws of fill in the city and this is what's happening. Then you celebrate Oh, we've made progress. You figure something out. And then you turn the corner away from your house. Oh, they're a block away. Yeah. If, I, then, if I lived near
5: one of those and had the ability, I would I would move out of the city. There's no question about it. Most
2: don't want to keep moving, though. You're saying, I have to keep moving because of this? And again, right. I'm not – both of us are trying to say there is absolute empathy here. We want a better opportunity but what we're doing now is a hamster wheel. Yeah. It's just going around. I don't know what you do. And it, then there's a
5: little deviation and it really doesn't get better. But what do you do is the challenge. Like what do you do yeah. with people who don't want to go to a shelter in some cases? And what do you do? You clear yeah. it out, it's, you move it out, and then they go somewhere else. And you can't just arrest, you know, two hundred people for what?
2: I want to get to it because most of the time we have lightheader talk. I just thought Today, yeah. we cover a couple series stops. We've got one more um, because it just keeps – oh, speaking of getting worse, it just keeps getting worse again on this one. More with Jason. He's going to take you home. We'll also preview his show when we return here in the Home of the Twins. Up. Leap year, leap day, so leaping music, that's the music theme. Those are the ideas you get here on this show, DeRuscher. I don't
5: have this level of ingenuity on my program. I'll tell you that much.
2: Mm-mm-mm-mm. No,
5: no, we're spending our day thinking about other things instead of making my producer come up with eight songs
2: on a theme every day. Eight—it's more than that. Come on, you're dismissing. Yeah, eight today was eight. Asked to speak. Oh, he's been asked oh, today how to many speak to colleges huh. about selecting bumper music. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> Harvard. Yeah. yeah, it's the Harvard and Fridley, but it's a, <laughs> it's a college. Yeah. Oh, okay, here is one more where we're never going to solve it. So today in Rafa, Israeli troops fired on a large crowd of folks. Uh, it was a, it was a food aid convoy, and something happened. There is very conflicting views and yeah. who did what first, but more than a hundred were killed. 760 injured, if you buy the Gaza health numbers, and there are many others, Jason, who don't buy that. These same folks are now saying we're over 30,000 dead Palestinians. We could talk from now until eternity, and I'm not going to say one good thing about Hamas. They're despicable. They're awful. They went and they killed people, and they still have hostages. They're indefensible. Palestinian civilians who don't want Hamas in their life are going through this torture. And much like the homeless situation, yeah. I'm not sitting there and saying I have the four-point solution. No. But this most importantly resonates there, and it does here. Because Joe Biden is not strong enough on Bibi Netanyahu. And again, I'm not sympathetic in any way to Hamas Zero. But this broad brush by some that, oh, if you're a Palestinian, obviously you supported Hamas. Or if you're supporting Netanyahu, you want death to all of them. There's nuance. But Joe Biden is enough that I think he has to put more leverage on Israel. Because Tom Friedman had a brilliant column the other day. All across this globe, there are people who have been incredibly sympathetic to Israel and the challenges they have faced. and then they watch story after story like this of innocent civilians killed and say, "What are you doing? Is this really the path to respond to the evil that was you know that came to your doors and killed innocent civilians?"
5: Yeah Yeah, the Friedman column was very interesting, right talking about the fact that Israel holds a special place because of sort of a contract that uh, was kept by Israel, right? This idea yes. that it is unique, it is a unique combination of religion and, you know, political, not political, but kind of the the nation-state status. Um, but right now, I think the about a month ago, half of Americans said they thought Israel was going too far against Gaza, and against Hamas, and it's going to go up. And is it right? I mean, it's so hard to know what's true, right? Yeah. Because what is, like, the... How how do we think the United States would respond if we were attacked like that? Would it be... Overwhelming. Yeah, I mean... But... That... Like, this, this has been so long of a conflict, and that's what I think makes it more difficult to swallow. You're like, okay, if you went nuts at the beginning and responded with unbelievable force, fine. But, like, what are we doing? What are we still doing?
2: Well, and the last part, and then we'll get to your show, when Netanyahu lays out in the last few days where Israel's, according to Bibi, and baby, should surprise has been his policy forever. It's just gonna take over Gaza. It it it's not, okay, we're gonna eliminate Hamas, and by the way, they're never gonna eliminate Hamas. They're just not. Others are gonna be out there forever, and it's it's tragic. But it, it should then be how can innocent Palestinians develop their own government and thrive as opposed to we're gonna run the show. Right. And It's one of of the many reasons why I think Biden is in deep trouble um, against Trump because Trump's, you know, he's not going to be nuanced at all. He doesn't have any idea. But just folks are, are very frustrated by how Biden seemingly has let Netanyahu do whatever he wants. And it just it gets worse. All right, what do you, what do you, uh, after this uplifting? Yeah, like real good. Yeah, thanks, thanks yeah. for boy.
5: I bet people yeah. uh, can't wait to keep listening to CCO yeah. Radio. How about numbers?
2: That. Let's go numbers. What is the number twenty? Twenty nine actually is my lucky number. It's my favorite number. I'm not kidding. Really? Yeah. Uh
5: leap day overrated. Yeah. Who Correct. cares? This is another yeah. day. What's the difference? Uh we're gonna have Venita on the show. At three thirty-five, tough booking. Talk surplus and Bradley Cooper wow. is right. It takes a long time to really uh, uh, love your own baby. It doesn't happen instantly. How about that? Hot. Yes, pick? it does. No, it doesn't. He's wrong. People are full of crap with that.
2: Yes.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?